<laughs> Don't cough, mate. Come on. <laughs> testing, testing. Pro- professional here. Mm. All right. Testies, testies. Welcome to the Empire Dynasty League to be determined name and sponsorship podcast or the EDL TBDPD cast. Uh, we are here with Christopher Keane and Brody Hoddick at the mic. Wow, what an intro that was too. I'm just trying to get my head around um, who that could be about. I was just thinking maybe it's it might be Papa just because he's a one hit wonder like Carly Rae Jepsen, but I wasn't. I wasn't overly convinced on who that was supposed to be about. Well, I like that you are already trying to guess because this is something we're going to do. We will introduce the podcast with a different song each time. It will be themed around a player. It's not about Papa, this song. Let's see if uh, Brody maybe can chime in and have a guess who that song might have been about. Music's not my thing, Ben, but if, uh, if I had one guess, call me maybe, possibly the DFF. He's a lonely man in that factory. I think you're uh, on the right track. Well, there were there's a few key lines in that song uh, which says um, about being new, I think. I think there's a line in there about being new and calling me. And uh, it's a song referring to one of our newer members, Michael Cummins Camo. Uh, oh, yeah. Just calling everyone relentlessly and messaging nonstop <laughs> about getting trades done. He's been absolutely relentless since post draft so there's a little song to kick us off in uh honor of camo jeez he's been active hasn't he (laughs) absolutely i don't i've never met the guy and i feel like i've known him for 20 years super active super invested but that's why he's uh involved that's what we love about him Yes. Uh, so as we said before, this is the Empire Dynasty League podcast, just uh, something that we're going to do for a bit of fun here. Uh, clearly a league where we wanted all 12 members to be active, but I don't think we anticipated this level of activity when we started the league off. So we thought, why not honour it with uh, some smooth listening from these three uh, vocal cords behind a microphone. So hopefully you're all... Uh, getting some work done and listening to what we anticipate to be the biggest podcast ever made in the history ever. So there's a little snapshot into why we're doing this, but I will throw to Chris right now, who uh, is the brainchild behind the Dynasty League operations. So kick us off with uh, just a snapshot into how this all came about. Well, I think, you know, the, the 12 of us, we haven't all played together, but we've all, we've all been involved in fantasy football for a little while now. And um, at least um, eight or nine of us have played together for three, four, five years. Um, so we're all pretty invested in it. But I think um, we wanted to get involved in a dynasty league for a few years. Um, I just think it's about taking it to the next level. For mine, it's pretty, it's similar to moving finally from a snake draft to an auction draft. I think there's a lot of similarities in that. Um, you're not locked into any one strategy. Everyone can kind of have a go at whatever they want to do. There's flexibility um, and you can mould your team in so many different ways and pivot throughout, you know, the, the multiple years that you're involved. So 
Um, really looking forward to it. Really excited by the 12 guys that we've got. I think everyone's really invested. There's been some superb banter early um, and some nice activity on the, on the trade table as well, which has been good. Um, but I think onwards and upwards, and I'm, I'm really happy with how it's going. What do you think, uh, young Hod, for everyone's first-time dynasty player? But um, from afar, you've me and Ben obviously commissioning the great league. But as a fellow league member, how have you seen it unravel to start? Well, let's let's firstly uh, address that was a very diplomatic answer to that question. But let's address the real reason that this league exists, and that's our own Chris Keeney has attempted and failed on numerous occasions to commission the two-minute drillers league, and, and now he's finally got his big chance, and jeez, he's up and about the big fella. And then there's Ben, who is the real commissioner behind the scenes. He does all the work, um, but never wants, never <laughs> wants the limelight. He's, he's our own backup quarterback, um, Benny is. But uh, I, thought the, I thought the draft went great. It, um, overall, it was completed in great time. Um, slow start. I think there was a few that... Saw all the videos going on and it was a bit of me, me, me time and just wanted to soak up the, the amount per pick. But um, thoroughly enjoyed the intro videos um, and the reenactment of, of a real NFL draft with our, our live streams of picks. Um, interesting to see the strategies play out. Um, I can talk about the top four. Um, I was a number one and Papa was three and we went with a little bit of a win now mode. Um, and then you had... Kamo and Ben, who executed their strategies um, with a bit of a younger, more, more youth in the team. Um, so that was interesting to see um, four, four guys at the top end um, go about it differently. Um, uh, you got thoughts on that, Keeney? Yeah, I just wanted to throw to you on that one, Hod. I just think, so you obviously had the 101 there and, and, and took Christian McCaffrey, which is pretty consensus. Um, obviously, then Mahomes, Barkley, Thomas went. Ben, you had the, the 105. Now, I'm just, I'm just wondering, Hod, if you were in the 105 there, in Ben's shoes with McCaffrey, Mahomes, Barkley and Thomas off the board, who would you have selected? I'm, uh, I'm very much of the running back scarcity of top-end talent. Um, so I probably would have gone with a Zeke um, in that position. But it's still the jury's out on... Um, if Lamar Jackson, if he can repeat what he did last year, and that's always a challenge, uh, I think Ben made the correct call there. Um, but I tend to lean running back whenever I'm drafting in whatever format. If he does repeat what he did last year, I think I will be uh, wearing sunglasses permanently for the entire year. They will be affixed <laughs> to my face uh, and I will not take them off. I'll be that happy with my pick. Real 7-Eleven type setups, aren't they? They're real sort of... Yes. Clearly still on the rookie deal money. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll, continue, I'll continue with just my roundup of the draft. Um, young running backs were a theme, and I think that's a valid strategy as it's the position that's mo most likely to prosper early in their careers. Um, trading, that shaped the first two rounds, in my opinion. We had five blokes trade up um, in those two rounds, um, which obviously paved the way um, and then early quarterbacks also were a theme so that led to tremendous value um, to fall uh, particularly for the wide receiver position as first round stalwarts like Julio and Tyreek and Hopkins uh, they slid to the end of the second and early third so that suited me on the turn. 
And of course, it is a um, super flex format with tight end premium as well. So I suppose that's a little bit to do with why the QBs we had. What do we have? Five QBs going the first um, 14 picks. So they went early. Um, there's a bit of a teardrop off on QB. So that wasn't a massive shock for me. I kind of anticipated that might happen. Um, but that's that's the beauty of having a super flex league. So it obviously bumps a lot of value down. And then Hod, you're able to, um, to to grab the value when you could on the two, three turn. Correct. I think uh, um, Ben, you got some thoughts? Yeah, no, I just think that uh, that probably was the most interesting part about this whole thing that we've clearly all been part of drafts before. We've clearly all been part of redraft leagues, um, snake drafts, auction drafts, all of those things. But to throw the curveball in of it not only being dynasty, so you've got to think long term with your picks um, in a in a certain capacity. But you've also got to think about Superflex, which no one in this league has done, and Titan Premium, which no one in this league has ever done. I thought they were two pretty interesting curveballs to throw in because it just made it uh, so up in the air. Like, you couldn't go into this draft fully anticipating what each team would do. As opposed to a redraft, you know almost 10 or 11 teams are going to be leaving quarterback till pretty late because you only need one. There are 32 teams you know, you've got that sort of luxury there. But you didn't know in this league if there would be teams that would go bang, bang on quarterback, if there were teams that would stockpile positions. All these strategies, I guess, that added, I think, to the um, intriguing nature of that draft. What do you reckon, Hod? That's a, that's a great point. Um, most of us are still maybe in redraft mode. So majority would have um, gone with that. And who knows, that might play out a bit longer, um, given the majority have gone that way. But we'll talk about expectations a little later in this draft. Um, but who knows, Camo and Matt, they went the quarterback tight end premium. Um, so they could be, uh, could be uh, in good shape. But um, are we going to move on to um, the breakdowns of the division? Uh, I think we, we will. But just before we do, Keeney, did you want to add one last little bit? Just one, one last thing to close, and I just think, just to sum it all up, that's kind of the beauty of Dynasty and why we wanted to get involved with it. There's, with this, there's no, there's no wrong way to do it, um, and every the the way that everyone's kind of structured how they've done it is to suit how they how they see their team going forward, and whether that's win now or they think they can have sustained success by going a bit younger, probably not being as competitive in year one and two, but then they think, well, three years three to six, I'm going to be right there. So. There's multiple ways you can can do this, and that's kind of the beauty of Dynasty. But um, now I think is a good time to to actually break down each division. Um, let's kick us off, Ben. Thanks, mate. Uh, yeah, we will. We'll sort of have a few podcasts going here. We think that it's going to be such a popular podcast, and we'll have all those millions of oh, listeners boom. out there. We thought we 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 won't do it justice if we try and get it all done in one. So we'll split it up. So today we're going to cover uh, the the famous division, uh, the well-renowned Sonny Weaver Jr. division. What else do we need? Special teams. Putney, get Putney. Yes. Yes. David Putney. 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 Yeah. Putney. Hello? Sonny? I'm sorry, that deal's now off the table. What? We live in a different world than we did just 30 seconds ago. What? What do you want now? I want my picks back. And I want David Putney. 
I need a punt returner. Where the hell that come from? It doesn't matter. I want all my picks back, and I want David goddamn Putney just because I feel like it. You're out of your mind. Yeah, I am. Haven't I proved that already? Uh, they're, they're known for their bold strategies. They're known for uh, getting the players that they want. They're known for uh, a bit strong-arming other teams as well. They're, they're all the characteristics of a Sonny Weaver Jr. If you have no idea what we're talking about with any of these division names, go and watch uh, Draft Day, which is a beloved movie uh, for anyone who, who likes NFL and likes the, um, the managerial side of, uh, of NFL and a very realistic movie if you, if you have watched. <laughs> but how aptly named has this division become? With Camo and Steph just really at the top end of the trading kind of spectrum early. Wow. I, th- I think looking back now at we just randomly obviously named these divisions and who was in them and all that sort of stuff. But, man, I- I'm going to go back and watch Draft Day now with a new appreciation for the characteristics that the Sunny Weaver Junior Division have taken on here. So we will kick it off with the San Diego Demons. Um, we'll have a breakdown of how they went first. So... Camo, who is new, when I say new to the league, I'm looking obviously at a league that consists majority of our redraft league here with a few additional and uh, uh, I will say improved, but that might uh, offend some of the two-minute driller people. <laughs> but I'll say that some additions who clearly are invested and engaged, which is what we want in Dynasty. So Camo is a welcome addition to the league. He has... Um, you know, from first impressions, he has hit the ground running. He wanted to draft from day dot. He wanted to move the draft forward to the second that the league finally had 12 people. He was that keen and ready to go. And hasn't let us down post-draft. He's been an absolute menace when it comes to uh, just contacting people and inquiring. Low-balling, if you will, but we might get into that. Um, some of the low-ball offers that he sent people's way. But you know what? When you're in a league with, in Camo's case, he's got... Uh, a league full of people that he's never really played with before. So you've got to test the waters a little bit and see, I guess, maybe what you can get away with. Because if you don't know what people's tendencies are, you can only find out a certain way. So um, first impressions have been amazing from Camo here. And I think it all sort of culminated with a, a first round trade. He's had the second pick. Um, He's gone with Pat Mahomes, which I think for some people was a bit of a shock. I think it rattled Papa a little bit because I think Papa maybe had Mahomes in his sights. Um, Easily rattled. Or Let's he was. Or he was. Ex- he would have been rattled. Like that's true. I, I I don't think it would have taken much to rattle Papa, but maybe that can be part of the breakdown of his team a bit later. But he's gone and he's gone Mahomes, and then next thing we know, at the one hundred eight, he's traded back into the first round. So I'm going to throw to Keeney here. Because you were part of that uh, that earth-shattering Ooh, trade that kicked mm. off the first round, so uh, give us some of your insights there, mate. Well, yeah, it was a it was an interesting trade. I mean, I'm sitting there at the 108, and um, I was kind of my initial my initial strategy and plan um, in this startup was to um, grab some value. I probably didn't see myself as contending that early, but happy to kind of pivot depending on how the draft went. So uh, me and Camo have been in chats for a little while leading up to it, but um, we ended up settling on um, him moving his, his, his 211, which is pick 23, up to pick eight, um, and then sliding back in the third round and giving myself 
um, an extra sixth round in the startup plus a future first. So I was happy with kind of the haul that I got for pick eight. It did mean I slid a long way back from pick eight out of the elite, obviously, tier in the startup. So his strategy was to um, grab two guys in the top 10, which which should mean your team's going to be very strong for a long time. And the um, the interesting part with Camo is he went Mahomes at 102 and then traded up and took Deshaun Watson at the 108. So he's gone bang, bang, QB, both, you think, absolute studs for the next six to eight years. Obviously, Mahomes then signs a 10-year contract, so he's sitting pretty happily there with those two players. But um, an interesting, number one, interesting strategy to do that. Um, but also kind of how it left the rest of his team on the way through is probably something to discuss, I think. Very good. Um, Kenny, you mentioned contending there. Can you just clarify what you meant by that? Did you mean you'll be content, you won't be contending for a title early on or contending for a trade that early? No, no, no. I, I, yeah, I was probably more, like, as you mentioned at the start, I was kind of keen to, to grab one of the young rookie running backs. Um, and I, my and we'll get to my strategy later on in the next in the next pod. But um, I was very much of the view to grab youth at a lot of positions early. So try and grab youth plus production, um, which means that naturally you're probably not going to contend earlier um, in terms of actually winning the whole the, the title. So um, I'm I'm kind of happy with how it all worked out. But um, I see like obviously you with the 101. Um, and and Camo with the 102, they, these kind of guys um, should be contending early because they've got those picks. So, um, yeah, it's interesting to see how they went about it, and especially the the Mahomes Watson stack. It's going to be a problem for many years to come. I would have thought. Well, that was uh, that that blew out a little. Sorry, listeners. Um, just a simple question, simple answer sort of setup, please, Keen. But uh, sorry, I heard contending. No, my my uh, my mind just goes straight to titles when I hear contending. So we'll get back on to Camo's uh, team. So he's the only quarterback to go, uh, only team, sorry, to go quarterback with the first two picks. Um, and we talked about strategy early to have, have most stuck in the redraft um, format, but Camo's gone bang, bang. Um, picking one quarterback, can you look? can obviously leave you thin um, at other positions and, and it's quite a deep wide receiver lineup with three starting and then two flex possibilities. So doubling down on quarterback um, was always going to present positional scarcity for Camo's squad. Um, but can Mahomes and Watson carry the team? Um, that, that's a, an incredible flaw to have. Um, whether the four-point league um, now, four points per touchdown, could that be a challenge? We don't know. But um, We'll let Ben dive into the the strengths of Camo Squad. Thanks, Hod. Um, yeah, I think we we were just we're, we'll quickly pick up on some strengths and weaknesses that we perceive from Camo's team here, and I think we've kind of already touched on it. I, I think the strength of his team has to be the fact that he's gone two young top five QBs. Um, we don't really know how that's going to pay off. It, it could leave him short. It could be an absolute masterstroke uh, in five years' time. We'll probably be reflecting upon this and we might even do a bit of a revisit pod down the track. But we're getting ahead of ourselves when we think that this podcast is going to be so popular that people will want to listen in five years' time. Um, But, uh, yeah, we'll we'll need to pick up a sponsor by then. But, yeah, uh, so hindsight's probably the only way that we're going to be able to tell whether that is a true strength. But I think you can anticipate, obviously, with um, how... 
big quarterback scoring normally is. Um, you can even look at top 50 sort of scores in year-to-year leagues and people like Mitch Trubisky feature within that top 50. So the fact that you've got two elite young quarterbacks that you can be plugging into your lineup every week, I think because this is such an unknown territory, it could be an absolute... I mean, he might not have to hit on any other position necessarily and those two might literally carry him through to playoffs and then we all know that you just have to uh, have a few good weeks in a row there. So I think that, um, you know, I think in this dynasty league, we're going to find that being a bit vanilla and playing things a little bit safe every year is probably not going to um, pay dividends. We're not here to sort of have a good, a good record year to year. We're either, we're doing the Ricky Bobby strategy, I think. And that's you. If you ain't first, you're last. So always remember, if you ain't first, you're last. I like Camo. He's just gone with, this could work or it might not, but we'll find out. No, I, I agree with a lot of what you both said. Um, I think the only thing to add is that um, <clears throat> obviously taking two QB early, they, they're going to maintain value. So I think the name Deshaun Watson is going to be valuable no matter what. So it gives him flexibility to pivot. If, if he's not liking the actual makeup of his team, he can actually, there's always high value in those kind of players. Um, I actually like the other strength for me is that he's, um, his running backs underneath have the ability to, to pop in two, three, four years' time um, to give him that chance to um, succeed in the future. So guys like Dobbins, we think, is going to be a good player. Kareem Hunt, out of contract, but could also be really productive this year. Um, Josh Kelly, you know, second in line underneath. Um, Damien Harris, another one. Mike Boone, another one. So you know, I think he's got some good potential there with his running backs. Yeah, it's a good point you make. You know, we we might be best not to look at each player and who was picked and getting that return for that pick in a scoring sense. These, these guys are assets to each franchise for however long you decide. So it's a good point, Keeney. Um, we can always pivot at any point, but I'm not going to elaborate anymore on the, the quarterback strong philosophy. Uh, Camo had a plan, he executed it. So kudos to him. Um, he has a great floor, um, which I think, you know, we can look at 50 points possibly um, locked up. That's, a, that's an incredible flaw to walk into a weekly matchup. And I like the young running back philosophy. So it's the one position um, that has proven to hit early in careers. And, and if these guys, young guys, get more playing time than what is probably expected in year one, um, Camo will be laughing moving forward. Um, but I'll, I'll continue on here. We'll, we'll look at the weaknesses now. Um, looking at this season, um, he's... Top two running backs, you could argue, are in a timeshare in um, Singletary and Kareem Hunt. Well, one's not arguably. Um, one is definitely the backup. But um, both of those guys will probably see limited goal line opportunities. So that could present a challenge. Um, and then his wide receiver core, again, you go two quarterbacks, you're going to leave yourself thin. So the wide receiver core lacks a receiver who I think could finish as a wide receiver one. Um, so Camo will want to hope that Mahomes and Watson's floor is enough to carry him week to week. That's all I've got to say. Ben, what do you think? No, I think spot on. Um, you know, we've spoken about, I guess, this in a few different ways. You have to start three wide receivers in this league. And um, as you said, leaving yourself thin at certain positions, that is a position that if you haven't got at least one legit wide receiver one, and that's not to say, I mean, his tendency is to trade, clearly. So he might be... Trading a guy in soon enough, we don't know. Uh, he might do it by the end of this podcast for all we know at the rate he's going. So <laughs> I just think that, um, yeah, clearly that's a that's a position that 
you've gone with a Mahomes, you've gone with a Deshaun Watson, as you said, that safe floor that's going to get you points. You need to sort of capitalise, I think, on those points by by at least rounding out certain positions. And a position where you've got to start three wide receivers, that's definitely one that maybe, uh, you know, his scary Terry trade might be what he was angling for there. And I, I think that was a good trade because he could, he could actually build upon last year and he was pretty bloody good last year. So maybe that's where he's gunning for with that upside. What do you reckon, Keeney? Yeah, and he's also brought in Mikhail Hardman and Mike Williams. So a couple of couple more younger receivers. So I think he's kind of drafted how he wanted to and then he's, he's been pretty good at reassessing kind of where his squad's at at the minute. So he's willing to to make trades and add to positions of needs post-draft. Um, but it has come at a little bit of a cost um, because he doesn't have a first rounder for the next two years. So he's he's sent one away to come up and get Watson and he sent one away to go and get McCall um, Hardman, who is linked to Mahomes. I know he really wanted that Mahomes-Hardman um, stack, which he loves. Um, but, you know, each to their own. So we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, I think uh, a really interesting point, we, we talk about the unknown so far with Superflex and the unknown with tight end premium. I think the unknown of, of future first round picks and future picks, uh, we can kind of anticipate what types of players they'll be. But I think until it comes around to a rookie draft each year and you either have extra picks or you don't have a pick, I think that's when we're really going to feel the effects of these sort of trades. So a bit of long-term sort of effects on that one. Um, I think let's let's move on to what uh, one third of this group might think of as the absolute contenders of this division. Humdingers. So, Keeney, why don't you give us a bit of background there? Not only are they the humdingers, they are the real humdingers, if you know what I mean. Um, Very, very confident in his fantasy ability, I would have thought this bloke. Uh, Rates himself extremely highly, but has backed it up with multiple titles in other leagues. So, you know, he, he, he walks the walk, talks the talk, does all that. So fair enough and good luck to him. He was the guy that took Mahomes for a dollar two years ago. So he is always going to have that. And now look at him. Don't worry about the bloody DFF factory talking about turning $1 blokes into $20 blokes. He's the one who took Mahomes. So good luck to him. And the irony of this bloke, I'll tell you, we do a racing format to work out who the 101 is going to be. This bloke is the most... He's the least interested in racing out of the 12 league members by a mile. And, of course, his bloody ponies net him the 101. Christian McCaffrey, lock it in. He's got a strong squad. Um, And, you know, there's no surprises he got the 101. Bit of a tin ass this bloke. But enjoying it. That's that's a crock of shit for the listeners. Let's just... That's plain and simple. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was it was very nice to see the donkeys um, earn me the number one pick. And with that number one pick, it was uh, never in doubt who I was taking. Um, Christian McCaffrey, uh, I've, I've made my point clear on running backs and how I feel about them. So um, he's in a tier of his, of his own. Um, and drafting at the turn and expecting quarterbacks to go early, uh, I was definitely happy to just let the board come to me at 24 and 25. Um, Always wanted one safe quarterback um, and one with upside. Uh, so we'll probably talk about that in a second. Um, and, the, and the plan was to draft a safe, strong core and then shoot for as much upside as possible. So, um, Ben, your thoughts on 
on mine, Keeney's given given us a shocking rundown of me and who I am. So oh, I think I think the, the tin ass was bang on in my opinion there, oh. Hod. Uh, oh, topical. <laughs> if there's if there's ever a person who can comment on some tin ass ability, I think I've got the credentials to do so. Spot on. <laughs> um, no, I think. You know, it was pretty clear with your first pick and I think, you know, majority of the league probably would have taken McCaffrey with the first overall pick and it kind of does pigeonhole you with what your team build needs to be from there. Being on the turn, as you pointed out, it does leave you either having to reach on people if you're going to play the ADP game. Um, you reach for the players you want. Kind of hoping that people will fall into your lap is a bit of a dangerous game to play on that turn. You don't get that flexibility of sitting in the middle because you've got that long wait after your back-to-back picks. So, you know, people would have looked at your Julio Jones pick up in the third round and gone, well, it's probably a bit high on ADP, but he wouldn't have been there by the end of the fourth. So, you know, if that's the guy that you want, if you think that he's going to... Um, if you think he's going to provide for your team like you want him to, then you just take him where you did. And I think you did that with Kenyon Drake. You did that with Julio Jones. Um, if I had my time again, I probably wouldn't have traded with you uh, in that third round to let you get Godwin. Because I had a very strong feeling that that's who I wanted to take. And I had a very strong feeling that's who you were trading up to get. But I thought I'll play that risky game and drop back a couple of picks. Um, but if I had my time again, I probably wouldn't do that with you. So well played there, sir. Um, and yeah, clearly your your team is to win now. Um, I mean, you'd be crazy not to build a team like that if you drafted Christian McCaffrey at the 101. So I think well played. And I think you arguably just on paper have one of the stronger teams for this year. Um, and I think, you know, there's probably about three or four people, I think, who drafted really with that win now strategy in mind. Um so, and I think you've done a good job there. What do you, what did you want to add there, Hod? Just the, uh, I just want to know what ADP you're looking at if Julio was a reach at 25. That's, uh, that to me was a no-brainer. I would have thought you've gone well before that. But um, Keeney, we'll move on. Sorry, your well, thoughts? I, I think that's clearly to do with his age. I mean, he's, he's a proven commodity at wide receiver. There's no doubt. And look, he's going to be top five again this year. There's no doubt about that. It's just how long you're going to have him for. Um, and his value going forward. That's, that's all it is. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's any question on his talent. One question I did yeah. have for you, Ron, did you get any serious trade offers for the 101? Or is it always just a... Well, I mean, it has to be a pretty handy offer, wouldn't it, to, to take that off you? Absolutely. It has to be a pretty handy offer. And uh, we've talked about one, one of my division foes just before me here, and he offered me an absolute doozy. So, uh, no, there were no serious offers. Go on, no. details, details. Details there? Oh, I can't even remember it to be honest. It was it Jared was a Stidham. future second or something to move up one one spot. And if you know, we, we've seen the Chicago Bears and the precedent they set to move up one draft position. So pull your head in, come on. <laughs> one 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 player. Look, I think it's all been covered with your squad. It's strong. It's deep at um, every position basically. Um, and as you said, you took the value that fell to you. One player I'd like to talk. Uh, talk about is Cam Newton at the 907. Now, the news had broken before you took him that he was uh, signing with the Pats, but you are very high on young Cam. I am very high on young Cam. I think people forget how young he might be, especially at the quarterback position at 31. 
Um, I, I just think the guy is, is a freak. Um, he's a former MVP. He's made a Super Bowl. Um, and when we moved to four-point leagues, I know he's had some injury issues, but um, I, I have full confidence in what Josh McDaniels um, can draw up for him. And I think it's polar opposites to what they've had for 20 years. So that's going to that's gonna be a creative mindset from them. And you're pretty excited as to what he can uh, achieve this year, Ben. So what you're telling me there is uh, Cam Newton's, what, 31 years old? Is that right? Yep. Former MVP. Uh, so you're describing basically an older Lamar Jackson who I got in the first round. So it's good to know that he will hold such value for the next, what, seven or eight years at least. And that's even if he still has shoulder and foot issues. So thanks for uh, just confirming there that my 105 pick was a good one. Anyway, enough me time from the commission. Uh, let's too, go. Much, too much me time. Well, you can't spell there. commissioner without me. Um, Keeney. <laughs> Can I just, just before we segue into his weaknesses, which this is There's a little none. bit of way. Now, he is very strong, which we've mentioned 15 times already. But the reason he is, is because he's used his future assets to come up and get involved um, multiple times in the startup draft. So no one, two or three next year. Um, so basically no rookies coming in for the next year, but that's okay because that's kind of his strategy. So it does segue a little bit into... Um, his weaknesses for me, which is um, that at the minute his value is very much what it is. And apart from two, three, four players, I don't think it's going to go up that much, but it'll hold value. And then there's obviously limited kind of young talent coming in underneath at the moment. But obviously with having so many assets, there's that ability to trade as well. Ben, did you see anything else? It's hard to pick apart some weaknesses in this squad, but what do you think? (sighs) I know, and I don't want uh, Hod's head to get any bigger while we uh, go go through his team here. No, look, I think, you know, he's just, he's played that game of taking proven talent, waiting for things to fall his way. Uh, My only thing I can sort of point out there is the quarterbacks that you mentioned, Keeney. It is a bit of uncharted territory, super flex. I think if you went into a, a normal league with a Matt Ryan or Cam Newton, that's fantastic. You've got a solid backup there. Um, but you've got to play, realistically, you have to play these two blokes if you want to be competing week in and week out. And, and you clearly want to be racking up those wins to have your strong squad um, in a serious position come playoff time. So, look, Matt Ryan's pretty solid. Uh, I, he hasn't really got track records with missing games or anything like that. Cam Newton, a little bit in recent history, obviously does. So, you know, I think your next guy is Kyle Allen, Let's say he doesn't get that starting job, which if you were going to crystal ball sort of look at things right now, he's not going to get that. Dwayne Haskins is the guy that they've invested that. I know this group didn't invest that um, capital in him, but he is there and I think he will get the nod at least for a serious chunk of the season. So it's a bit of a a risky game. I think you're playing there with your backup scenario and, and I probably will anticipate that if you're in a serious spot here, you might have to look at trading to bolster that part of your team. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Um, I mean, the other issue is I don't think Kyle Allen's very good. Um, so even if he does win that spot, I'm, I wouldn't be overly comfortable starting him. Um, but yeah, I agree. Like, But I think, again, that's kind of... Hod's got the assets to be able to do that. So he's got flexibility in that space. Um, but yeah, I think it's an interesting philosophy all... Uh, the, the whole league took two quarterback with the um, super flex format. Just um, there's a handful of guys who valued it a lot more than others. And it'll just be interesting 
you know, two, three years down the road to see how that all kind of shapes out. Yeah, I mean, this segment can go on for as long as you like. It's, it's been fun, boys. Um, but so my, my mindset really is, and, and this will be the interesting thing to see how it all plays out, but my mindset is in fantasy and what I've researched and been taught um, by my channels is Podcast. Two, to th- two to three years at a time. That, that's all I'm looking forward um, with fantasy, uh, dynasty, sorry, and, and no longer. So hence my strategy. I'll be able to pivot with assets, as, you, as you've mentioned. Um, if that has to come for whatever reason this year with a quarterback injury or whatever, um, I think I could pivot one of those assets for another um, quarterback if needed. But I'm, I'm not going to draft a team based on um, injury concerns. I'm just not going to do that. I'm going to draft them for who they are. Um, Obviously, you and Cam Newton, who's had back surgery. Correct. I think I think most NFL players have some sort of surgery most years, so I'm not too concerned um, at that one. Um, and just just yeah, like and and just addressing the weaknesses. Yep, um, Kyle Allen isn't a great third quarterback. I just took a he was the only quarterback there with a chance to earn a starting job and not be a backup. Um, if he work, works out, great. If not, um, in those bye weeks, well, it'll be interesting to see this four point. Um, Scoring. Uh, we're used to seeing the 20 plus scores in redraft in a six point league. That might be coming down to 12 to 15 points for quarterbacks, which can easily get um, scored by a, a wide receiver or a, a running back. So I might pivot to one of those skill positions. Mason Hill went 10 picks later. What are you talking about? There wasn't a starting QB caliber <laughs> on the board. I don't draft linebackers in quarterback spots, mate. <laughs> Tight end. He's, he's a Swiss Army knife. Uh, it's still six points for a rushing touchdown. I'll add that. So that's where those rushing oh, QBs could have a... I'll, I'll bring it back to Lamar Jackson every time we talk about anything. Who's got Lamar? Bringing him back in. Um, but let's, yeah. uh, let's... Enough of the old humdingers here. Let's move yeah, I've had enough of to the... Yeah, I've, I've had enough of myself as well. The fantasy so I'll, I'll... factory that is the DFF. Yes. Yes, and you've, you've left me with the introduction. I, I, I couldn't believe my eyes when I saw the rundown and I got the big DFF. So um, an introduction to him. Well, where do I start? Where do I start? How about I start with sharing some of Steph's past successes in the TMD? Yeah, nothing. Oh, that's Absolutely. it. <laughs> I was There's waiting. nothing there. Yeah. That was it. Actually, <laughs> actually, no, no, that is a lie. He is the inaugural Dung Bowl champ. Oh, so he has there's, some flies. there's some flies buzzing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, he's, uh, good when, you, when you win a Dung, what you should do is you should replicate the exact same squad that um, won you that Dung. That's normally a pretty sound strategy, I've thought. Yeah, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, is his motto. Um, but a little bit about the bloke himself. Um, he's a full-blown narcissist that lives in a complete fantasy world. That pretty much sums him up best. Um, and that, unfortunately, that fantasy world floods our daily chat, which is as frustrating as it is hilarious. So uh, he, he'll be good. He, no doubt he'll be a valued member of this league for years to come. Um, ben, do you want to move on a bit with his Yeah, no, I think, I think you summed up Steph perfectly there. Uh, and I don't think we're touching on anything that even the newest league members... <laughs> haven't already discovered in the short existence that is this league. So he, uh, he's definitely carried that swagger into this league and it's, it's proven to be quite, uh, 
quite entertaining already. So I think the biggest thing with uh, Steph is that he was doing Dynasty well before we even started Dynasty Leagues. He's the only bloke I know in redraft leagues to just draft the same players every single year. <laughs> I think we had to remind him that this isn't Dynasty, mate. You can get a new team every year. But you know what? And he's come back. He's got his Marlon Max of the world. He's, uh, he's gone right back into that format. But surprisingly enough, he's, he's gone and drafted a pretty solid team here. And one thing he has done that uh, is unheard of for the Fantasy Factory is he's done some trading. Uh, a bloke that went through entire redraft leagues, barely even touching the waiver wire other than your Dion Keynes, um, and zero trades on the season. And he's gone the first trade of the entire Dynasty League. He's gone down in the history books and he has done, uh, he's done two pre-draft trades and then he's done multiple trades within the draft and now even post draft he's pulling off trades and I'll, I'll give you a little uh, inside info here I may have got a message on Facebook last night from a DFF and it might have just been asking I didn't I didn't seek this it might have been asking what my feelings are on a Marlon Mack so he's already jumping off he's jumping oh, off his oh, boy oh, oh no <laughs> so and he's <laughs> I know it's a classic Steph move to do here that now I've revealed this fact, he will deny it to the hills. But you know what? It's interesting that he's at least now thinking beyond his, his boys or whatever he wants to call them, and he's, he's now looking to uh, branch out a little bit. Hod? That's, um, I might have to just edit my strengths here because I think Marlon Mack may have been in my strengths for the DFF, but now he's thrown him to the curb. I might have to just edit that. Uh, but sorry, I'll uh, I'll leave you uh, to talk about the DFF. Yep. Or Keen, do you want so to add we, something? We yeah, we missed one of your strengths, Hod, and that is being in the division with um, these other three <laughs> league members. Fair income. <laughs> unbelievable. Keep going. Oh, I'm not. Go- I-, I can't explain that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, Keeny, give us your uh, just really quickly. I'm obviously mindful that. Uh, we could riff about this fantasy team all day long uh, and the world that he's created around it. But give us just your overall quick impression of his team build and his drafting. My, my, my first impression um, of you talk about strategies to build a team. How about we talk about the strategy that he's in the division with pick one and two um, because he chose those two players to be in his division. It's one of the more amazing strategies of all time knowing full well that Hod had picked one and Camo had picked two, he decided to choose them in his division. That is what we call an amazing list strategy, draft strategy. That's uh, already puts you on the back foot for the next five years. So um, good luck to him. But apart from that, I actually think he, he's, um, I think we can all agree he's drafted pretty well. Um, he's gone the, a, a mix of young running backs and he's, he's traded another one in. So he's got... Um, young Mixon, Joe Mixon was his first pick, then Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, DeAndre Swift, and now he's got Cam Akers in as well. So he's going to have some strong running back youth if they all hit, or if you know three out of four of them hit, then he's going to have some serious um, value going forward with those guys. And I think he's probably got the best young running back group out of, the, out of everyone, really, and that's kind of who he targeted early. Um, and that's, that's his strategy going forward. Yeah, no, I think you're uh, bang on. I, I don't normally ever associate the word solid with DFF unless I'm talking about the state of his dung. Um, 
But yeah, ah. he, he's gone and he's drafted a, a pretty solid foundation. And then he's doubled down, as you said, by dipping back in and getting another highly anticipated rookie running back. So look, the chance that all three of them will will pan out is, is pretty rare. But I think that, you know, if he's going from a probability standpoint, at least one or two of them could hit and he could be in a pretty solid uh, position for the next sort of, you know, five or so years when they do eventually take off. So I think pretty well done. Um, I think getting rid of Terry McLaurin, uh, I don't, I mean, he's got sort of your Robert Woods and uh, that that will still provide that, what we anticipate, that wide receiver one uh, ability. But but maybe just getting rid of Terry McLaurin now might have him looking at where he might get some youth at wide receiver. Yeah, um, I, I really liked his squad with McLaurin in it. So, um, but I'll, I'll go firstly to his draft. Um, I thought he drafted a very balanced team um, with pr- a mix of proven and younger upside picks. Um, and that's across the board at all positions. So I thought he did well there. I love the turn, um, the five, six turn of Woods and Ertz. Um, I did not love picking straight after him there because I would have taken Woods for sure. Um, and young, young running backs, we've talked about it, they're a theme um, for a strong reason. And he executed that plan well um, with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and DeAndre Swift and now bringing Akers in. But that might be a segue to my weaknesses. I, and this is all opinion, we're all just giving our opinion, but I, you mentioned before, Ben, that it's, it's rare that all running backs in one class hit. So I maybe would have stuck with just the two and staggered um, the rookie picks in running backs over maybe one or uh, two seasons rather than one. But um, my only really weakness uh, for this squad is, is maybe the quarterback position, ironically, because I, I copped a bit of flack for my quarterback situation. But having Sam Darnold and Jimmy G um, aren't going to provide a great floor, in my opinion. Um, Darnold needs to sh- um, shake the shackles of Gase um, if he leaves. He might be having a brighter future. Um, and Jimmy G, I mean, he's a system quarterback there. They're going to be the odd performances where he goes off. But um, Shanahan wants to run the ball. Um, he's made that pretty clear. And other than Chenault and Gesicki, um, I, I just don't see a whole lot of upside on the bench. They're more a stack of plotters, you, is for lack of a better word. So um, you're telling me... Really high on. You're telling me Hunter Renfro... Oh, no, here we go. Hunter Renfro, the uh, the oldest looking twenty four year old in the NFL. You don't think he's going to provide some some bench coverage there? No, like I said, plotter, absolute plotter there. Um, he looks about fifty. Athega, 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 Whiteside. Athega, Whiteside. Of course, he's yeah, got a Homer pick there. And and I'll I'll just uh, like I'll I'll list a few of those players. So Cole Beasley, Jalen Rashad. Giovanni Bernard is the handcuff. I don't mind that. But Frank Gore, Jesus. He's still um, He's still going. He's still around. So, so yeah, like I said, a, a few players that, you know, there's no upside there. They're going to they're gonna be, you can plug and play them for a, a measly six points. But, um, yeah, they're, they're the only weaknesses in my mind. I think he's drafted a pretty strong team. I, um, I, I tend to agree. Like, I'm, I'm with you with Terry McLaurin. Like, that could be a scary issue for him scary. going forward. I really like Terry McLaurin. I think he can be a wide receiver one. Um, and I think you're going to need a wide receiver one with having to start three wide receivers every week. So um, the decision to trade him out is um, a little staggering for me because I think you know he's now relying on Woods, who's a bit older. 
Tyler Boyd I like, but um, one of them is going to have to step step up and become that wide receiver one for him. Otherwise, you're going to have to trade for one where he already had one. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. Like Acres could be a very good running back, so it, it may work out to be a to be a good trade for him. But um, for mine, it's a bit of an issue. And just repeating the QB situation, um, Dar- like Darnold's going to have to defy history um, to 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 be okay and relevant in fantasy. I mean, there's there hasn't been many that have had the first two years like him and haven't turned out to be a bust. So that's a that's a massive issue for mine. Um, and then, as you said, Jimmy G is the second one with Jacob Eason underneath. So there's there's some issues um, at QB there, and um, and that's going to be an interesting watch as always with the DFF going forward. Yeah, I was, I was just going to mention um, it's ironic that um, Darnold's been haunted by ghosts in the past, and now he's haunted by the the shackles of the DFF. So I'm not sure how he's going to get out of that one. Ben, did you have something? I think that's uh, yeah. There, there must be many ghosts at that factory. There's uh... I guess the ghost of um, oh, Cooper Cup's haunting there. He's, his knee's been left behind at the factory. <laughs> so there's many ghosts going on at the factory. So, you know, maybe Sam Darnold might fit in there. Uh, I will is just. It, is sorry, it worse to have um, Adam Gaze as your head coach or to be owned in the factory? It's just it's a real yeah. similar sort of setup. It's a yeah, great point. That's, I mean, real no. Creepy individuals. No player is happy in either of those scenarios. Um, <laughs> and if you get the double whammy like old Sam Darnold's got, geez, look out. Uh, I think Keeney, just really quickly, and I, I think we've gone on for too long with Steph. We've given him too much airtime, which is what he wants. Um, I think I think spot on with with Terry McLaurin obviously being traded out, which which could have been his legit one, and then even Robert Woods there as a as another potential wide receiver one. It would have actually covered for those younger running backs to find their feet a bit in the first part of the season. So there would it, it actually had a bit more balance, as you said, Hod, in, in covering for those because typically uh, rookie running backs, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in that system could be different, but obviously with COVID and everything going on, you don't know how their, their pre-season and, and that introduction to the team is going to go. It might have just given him a, a few weeks to sort of cover for those maybe subpar scores from those rookie running backs and now that he's gone and traded one of those proven scorers in a wide receiver away for another rookie running back, maybe the uh, first half of the season might be a good time to catch the DFF on the schedule, which I know our uh, I know Keeney's going to sort of do a random, what is it, end of July? So soon, actually, we're going to do the schedule, aren't we? Yeah, we'll be doing the schedule. I'll tell you who won't be playing him early, and that is his three other division members. Who That's true. Get him late in place. So... Yeah, so no, not, it's going to be very, very interesting. Not everything can go your way, Hod. Sometimes you just got to. Uh, <laughs> sometimes you got to cop a bit of bad luck here and there, but you'll get used to it. Don't worry. Uh, that's enough from DFF, I think. Let's move on to the uh, the big stallion. Everyone's turned off. No one's listening. Anymore. No one's. No, surely this bloke has stuck Where? around, knowing that that we are finishing the Sunny Weaver Junior Division with the <laughs> stallion that is. Big Jim. So the Jim City Stallions, um, a very active member of our league chat at the moment. Hod, what did you want to add? Oh, I just wanted to, while you brought up the name, uh, slightly controversial, slightly similar to um, yours truly, <laughs> Ben. Any any thoughts on that name? Look, there are many cities. Uh, I can't I can't ever lay claim to the fact that I came up with the term city, um, but. 
you know, Park City was on the scene first in trademark names uh, and then Jim City just quickly appeared. But you know what? We've been calling him Jim Sim for years, so I don't mind it. I, I think, and I have oh, to think. Sim City. That's maybe what he was going with. Yeah, Jim Sim City. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, I mean, the, the Redskins have proven that you can rebrand at any time in your illustrious history. So <laughs> who knows? He might just become the Jim yeah. City down the track and lose the Stallions. I don't know if that's the controversial part of the name. Um, but anyway, for those who have obviously come into this this league of misfits and and have been introduced to Jim in the chat, clear Saints supporter, loves a bit of Saints footy as he was going nuts with last night. But Jim has been notorious over the years in the two-minute driller league for just getting involved in a trade. And he has uh, he's not let us down in the... In the EDL, in fact, if anything, he's he's just needs to pump the brakes. And Jim, this is a this is a PSA for you: pump the brakes on your bloody trades, mate. Just just enjoy your team for I don't know a week, uh, two weeks even. You know, just get a feel for the guys. Let them play a game maybe before you go and just flick them onto other people. But uh, and that PSA includes me if I offer a trade to you as well because I've. I've traded with you in the past and so has Keeney and uh, Jake has really just gone and, and identified you as a trade partner at the moment. But uh, anyway, he has not let us down in the, in the trading so far in this league. So one thing we can never accuse Jim of is not being active in a, in any league, whether it's redraft or now dynasty. So we want involvement. We want people to be active. We don't want people to lay dormant in a dynasty league. So I, I think that, However long we end up doing this for, in uh, the next 50 years, let's say we'll look back and say that, Jim, we can never accuse of, uh, of not being active in this league. So keep up the good work. Keeney, uh, I want you to give us some insight here because there were two first-round trades in, in this year's draft. One was obviously Camo earlier. And then Big Jim at the 107, he goes and he drafts Josh Jacobs. A, a very nice running back prospect there who had a good rookie season. He's hoping to obviously take the next step. But then he goes and he he drafts or he trades, sorry, back into the first round. So Keeney, I want you to just give us some insight on that. Did he ever? What a stunner early. And um to to pull the curtains back a little bit here, I was I was in trade discussions with Jim up um earlier on in the morning to to move um my two eleven up to his two oh six. Um, so we, we kind of had some initial discussions back and forth, put that on the back burner a little bit. And then all of a sudden at the, at the 111, he's traded up with Matt. So he's given up um, the 111, a fifth rounder, and got back... Uh, sorry, he's got the 111 and the fifth rounder and given up his 206, which is what the pick we were talking about, um, a fourth rounder and a ninth. So he gave up a fair bit to, to come up and get that 11th pick. But then the more staggering part for my end is he, obviously, I'm asking, okay, who are you taking there at 111? And he said, no, no, I want to offer that to you now. And I was a bit blown away. I was like, oh, okay, so you're sending that to that my way. Um, but he wanted my second and third round pick for it, which wasn't discussed pre-trading up to 111 um, and almost expected that I would just take that deal at a snap like that. Um, wasn't the case. I quickly said, no, that's a bit rich for my blood. 
Um, so then I had to give him another 45 minutes for him to actually work out which player he wanted at 111, which was interesting. Um, so Big Jim has tried it up with the initial thoughts to then trade that out, but that hasn't worked for him. Um, but he's ended up going two strong running backs, Derek Henry at the 111, just signed a four-year deal. So happy days for Jimmer. He's locked away as a workhorse back for the next four years. So he'll be very happy with that result in the end. To, yeah, to, so I'll give my overall impression. Um, and to be fair, I mean, Jim does work at Australia Post, so his comms might be a little outdated, um, Keeney. So, um, but I, I loved the start of Henry and Jacobs. Let's just isolate that, those two players. But even with your rundown, I am still not overly sure of how they were at the only two picks for Jim until his third pick at 59. So that might be a separate podcast in itself. We might be able to get the big fella on. Um, I'm not sure he'll be able to give us a play-by-play. But um, I will definitely need a breakdown of that because that's not many picks in the top 60. Um, but the, And this, this obviously left him a little thin of top-end talent um, after Henry and Jacobs. But I do like the squad that he ended up assembling. If Rogers um, at QB and... Gordon, um, Melvin Gordon, bounced back. He should be strong enough to to win week in, week out. So I'll throw to you, Ben. Um, go through some strengths for Big Jim City. Now, I think you definitely touched on uh, a fair few relevant points there. I, I think if you look at Jim's squad, and obviously if you look at the draft board, there is a lot of grayed-out area in those first few rounds, which, which is a bit scary to look at that you're not bringing in that top-end talent. But... Um, if you look at, at Jim's starting lineup, there is a solid six players that you can uh, grab out of that. With high upside scoring for this year, you've got your Jacobs, Henry, Gordon, Rogers, Cousins, Keenan Allen. In theory, all of those players could, could hit this year. And if they do all hit, well, then that's going to be a pretty uh, tough team to come up against each week. So I think there's a lot of hope there for Jim that those players will, will sort of carry a lot of the responsibility of his team. So... As long as he can sort of surround those six with competent scorers week in and week out, um, I see Jim's team as as one for this season that will probably give you a few headaches going into um, into a weekly matchup with him. But obviously, there's some there's some big ifs there, and that's what fantasy is all about. I mean, we do a draft based around ifs. What do you reckon, Keeney? Well, yeah, and I agree. So there is that there is that hole in the two, three, four round where he didn't really have much. Um, so the reason being is that obviously he traded up into the first round for one, but also you have to remember that he's actually got some some nice draft assets over the next couple of years. So he's got two ones, two twos, and three threes next year. So he's got some flexibility there to to move and maneuver his team in a few different ways depending on kind of what happens with him. So you talk about him having a really the strong top six or seven players. Well, if he's able to then either package some of those picks up um, or use them to to develop the core and the and the depth underneath, then you know that's a pretty sound strategy. So he's got some flexibility in, in how he can move his team going forward. I think. Yeah, I, I don't need to harp on too much more. I love Henry and Jacobs. Um, you know, that's some serious top end talent at a position that's super scarce of top end talent. Um, Chose to wait on wide receiver, which I think is a great plan. It's a, it's a super deep position. Um, as you mentioned there, Keeney, he's acquired a wealth of future picks. So, you know, he could be strong through those rookie drafts or he could flick them for um, immediate success. And um, a lot of the time later in the draft, I, I actually found Jim 
taking the players I was eyeing, which was um, as annoying as it is. Uh, it was a really, really good to see Jim nail a few later picks. Um, but let's roll that into the week. Uh, I can't explain that. Um, so I'm going to roll into the weaknesses because there's no sugarcoating it. I want Camo to fail. I want the DFF to fail. And I definitely want Jim to fail as they're all in my division. So outside of Henry and Jacobs, there's not a, a lot of top-end ceilings for too many players. Um, I do like Rogers um, to bounce back this year. I think he won't take the, the drafting decisions too well. And when Rogers is motivated, like Cam Newton, when they are motivated, there is a, um, a scary proposition for everyone else. And... Um, having a four-point league, um, you know, that could be challenging with Kirk Cousins there as well. But to be honest, I, I think Jim drafted a pretty good team for this year um, and tying that in with assets in the future. He's drafted a mature team now, future picks. I, I don't mind it. So Aaron Rodgers has been trying for the last three years. Hasn't he been motivated? Yeah, what do you mean motivated? I know, I know you're not big on Aaron Rodgers. Um you know, he's been there a long time. He's been playing at a high level for a long time. These things happen. And now he's got a, a coach and GM who are trying to get him out of there. I think he's going to have a bit of an FU season to everyone. Okay. Anything Anything else to elaborate on there, Keen? Or are you using your emotions to make decisions no, again? Because no, you don't, don't like Rogers. No, that's. I, I think he's a fantastic quarterback. I don't think he's been fantasy relevant for four years. Um, and there's, it's hard to argue with that. You can argue with that if you want. But it's, I, I enjoyed his 50 burger that he dropped for my team last year. Well, oh, yeah, I didn't. <laughs> I would have thought. But, uh, <laughs> apart from that game, he really hasn't been too relevant. And that's probably where I see this is a common theme um, in this division. Um, just the, the depth at QB again, Rogers and Cousins. And then if one of them gets injured or... Um, you know, obviously in bye weeks as well, which we haven't really talked about yet, but they are literally the only two QBs Jim has on his squad at the minute. Um, so that's a that's a real concern for the short term and the long term for mine. Um, and just some the other, if I'm picking some holes just in his um, weaknesses, just I think touching on kind of what you you said, just his overall depth, but more in particular. Um, he's running back depth. He's got some really top-end running backs, which I agree. But then after after Melvin Gordon, it's Peterson, Peyton Barber, and Eno Benjamin. So he'd want him to he'd want his three guys to stay healthy um, because he hasn't got a heap of guys who could potentially show some upside and return on investment in the next two or three years. Ben, no, I think you're bang on there, and you've pretty much. Uh said all my sentiments for sort of some team weaknesses there. He's, he's got those solid starters. He has got future picks, but then depth is, is ultimately where uh, he falls a bit short. And that's, for, that's just looking at it for this season as well. So if your depth, uh, uh, you know, there's a few positions there where his depth is older players. Um, who knows what he might do? I mean, he might, as you said earlier, Kenny, he might take some of those future picks that he's banked over the draft and he might flip some of those to get a bit more um, upside sort of depth in his team. So as you said, the, the quarterback depth there, just having two QBs, you have touched on bye weeks, which um, I don't know about you, but I never think about bye weeks when I'm drafting. In fact, it's probably the, the one thing that I just flat out ignore that little number there. One, because you don't anticipate that you'll own that player forever and for that whole season. 
potentially. But um, yeah, so eventually he's going to have to have at least one of those QBs sitting out, which means is that going to leave him a bit short in scoring? And let's uh, let's hope that Rogers' fragile collarbone doesn't prove to be um, an issue for him this year because he has missed some time over the years, Aaron Rodgers. And Matt won't enjoy me mentioning about the fragility of Aaron Rodgers. But guess what, Matt? He misses games. Deal with it. Move on. Hod. Collarbone. Good segue. He's a single man, newly single. So he may need that collarbone more More than we think. More motivation. And I just want to um, touch on the bye week um, comment you made there, Ben. I I fully agree. I I don't ever draft um, considering bye weeks. But um, for me, I was always going to draft Tyrod Taylor when he was falling. I actually think Tyrod Taylor might be um, the only asset I want in um, with the... Who are they called these days? The San Diego bloody Chargers. LA Chargers. Los Angeles. Um, but I, I could not because um, he had the same bye week as one of my QBs. So that ruled that out for that particular thing. But I 100% agree. I, I don't um, draft with bye weeks in consideration. So um, we'll move on, Ben, with the, the division predictions. Mm. Um, who do we think is taking the illustrious title? of the Sonny Weaver Junior Division winner. So, yeah, we're going to break down our division predictions into sort of three categories. We'll have our winners, our dark horse, and our loser of the division. These are just our opinions here. But let's start with our predictions for who's going to win this division. And we'll kick it off with you, Hod. I'm sure there'll be no bias uh, in this prediction here. Who do you think is going to take out this division? No, no bias at all. I'd be lying if I said Steph. I'd be lying if I said Camo, and I'd definitely be lying if I said Jim. So I, uh, I, I've come in with some expectations. Expectation is a funny, it's a funny one. Um, based on how I've drafted, some might say I'm carrying higher expectations, but I'm happy to have that because there's everyone else has expectations maybe to win in future, but nothing's set in stone there. Who knows what happens in two to three years if you're planning to win then. So I'm happy, I'm comfortable to carry those expectations if I have them. Um, But I appreciate um, your kind words that are about to come, boys. Who's taken out the title? Yeah, all right. Um, (laughs) Yeah, old big head over there gets bigger here with... Yeah, my prediction is obviously... And I'm just looking at lists as they are now. I... uh, I think that things could change, obviously, over the over the season because trading definitely comes in. Trading future assets becomes a huge part. If people are in a win-now mode, uh, they can bolster their team up pretty quickly. And it's obviously something that we don't see a lot in redrafts, um, but something that we, that we might start to experience this first season of a dynasty. So I have got you down as my predicted winner for the division, and that's because I think you did draft one of the strongest win-now teams yeah, I agree. Um, unfortunately, I think uh, I think Hot will take it out year one. Um, strong squad, but also you look at the other three division members um, and just their their strategy. So I think the DFF's gone younger, so that he's not going to be as relevant year one. Um, and then uh, Jim and Camo are strong at the top end, but lack the depth that that Hot has. So I think ultimately that will prove to be the difference, and Hod will take out the division in year one. The Sunny Weaver Juniors. Oh boy. 
All right. What about our dark horses, Keeney? Kick us off with who you think the dark horse of this division could be this year. Well, this was really close for me um, between the Stallions in some city of gym land um, and the San Diego Demons. I've, I've landed on Jim here. Um, I just think if he stays healthy, um, he's got the, as we've mentioned, the first six or seven guys that could that could um, challenge and put up some strong scoring. Um, if he stays healthy, that's a massive if. Um, and if the season goes ahead, <laughs> um, that's another if. Yeah. Um, I think he's the most likely to, to knock Hod off. Um, if Hod gets a little unlucky with injuries and Jim stays healthy, that's, that's his best chance. What do you think, young Hodlick? I have actually gone with Camo. I agree. It, I could see... I can see anyone winning this division because nothing is guaranteed. But I, I, I just am really keen to see how this double quarterback philosophy goes. And if Mahomes and Watson are just a step above, um, obviously with Lamar, but if they're just a step above and they just give him this huge floor, he could, the way he's trading, he could have a whole new squad by the time we're in our fourth <laughs> podcast. So, um, yeah, I, I like I like Camo to possibly have a dark... Uh, be a dark horse for this division. Um, ben, yeah. who do you land on? No, I think that's bang on. I think we're kind of all in the same way. And we, we haven't uh, had any conversation around this. We've gone off and actually put our own thoughts down here. And it's just, it's interesting how similar they are because I think uh, on paper right now, I, I can't give my dark horse pick to Camo just because I think there are areas where I actually think Jim is a bit of a, a stronger option for a dark horse. And that's pretty much going back to what we said earlier about his starting sort of uh, key players. They can be quite strong and they've got the potential to be pretty dominant this year if things do fall his way. And if they do fall his way and, and if he is sort of a bit lucky with not getting injuries to those players and he could be pretty hard to beat week in and week out. And I think with Camo, as you said, Hod, that, there's a bit of what if there of what his squad could even look like going into week one. And and I have no doubt that the team he's got as we're recording this right now will not be the same going into week one because he's just a mover and a shaker. Um, and he does not hold back with just trying to improve his team. So I think, I think both of those two teams that we've identified as dark horses there um, definitely have every potential. And, and I'd be a little bit nervous uh, if I was in this division, Hod, for just the fact that those two teams could hit there. What do you reckon? Uh, I reckon um, not. there's not been a lot of conversation about a winner and a dark horse for one other squad in this division. So, um, Is there another team in this division? It's um, interesting that... that um, well, I'll, I'll kick us off here, but mine's more... I don't even think this will happen. Mine's more just fingers crossed it does happen. So I've got Steph... <laughs> finishing in last place for this division. It's, it might be controversial for me to do this because he is a motivated individual. I know he can't dress up and get on the field and score points for his squad, but if he sees this and hears this, I, I think he might be motivated to jump up the ranks for this division. What do you think, Kenny? Well, I just, I agree. I think Steph, um, in terms of this division, will finish last. Um, a little bit is to do with the way he's drafted, but also just his proven history in finishing last, um, I think really adds to that. Um, he's done it time and time again, so there's no reason why we should really expect anything different here. Um, could he be in conversation for the number one overall pick? Who knows? But um, I think 
that wouldn't be a bad thing necessarily just because of the youth of his squad. So um, I think, yeah, I think he's going to finish last, but um, that doesn't disparage me from his overall philosophy and his team build. What do you reckon, Ben? Yeah, well, you wouldn't believe it that we've all gone off separately and we've all had thoughts over this division and we've all come back with Steph as our uh, predicted loser for the division. Um, as you said, Keeney, you know, some people, you just need to know your role. Uh, you train years of your life for moments like this and he has trained really hard to know how to lose in fantasy football. Mm. So I, uh, I'm anticipating that, that he will continue that sort of training into the Dynasty League. I do, as we did say earlier, though, he has done things a bit differently this time around that he would normally do in a redraft league. So he might, uh, you know what, this might make page six of the DFF times, uh, this conversation right here. And, and we all know that page six is, for some reason, that is the page to make in that weird fictional newspaper. So this conversation, this podcast, we might be featured boys on page six of the illustrious DFF times. But uh, I think, boys, we've done pretty well for timing here. We've uh, first time up trying to sort of get all of our thoughts in, trying to break every team down in this division, trying to keep it in a uh, manageable hour time slot. We've probably gone a little bit over there, but I think think that's hopefully something that at least everyone in the league has enjoyed listening to today, and especially the people in the Sunny Weaver Junior Division are going to enjoy just our thoughts and our opinions on how people have gone about it. Um, it does leave us with a bit of a teaser for our next podcast, which is going to be on the Vontae Mack division, which does oh, have has, uh, one of the members of this podcast in there uh, to talk about the insight of their draft, but also the fierce, rivalry, fierce rivalry of commissioners between Matt and Keeney and, and even, um, even the shots fired of Matt picking Keeney in the division, which we might go into in the next podcast there. So um, I have no doubt that Tim in that division won't even be listening to the podcast because he doesn't listen to any podcasts uh, other than EDM sort of music on his way to work. And then uh, we've got the Punisher himself who just seems to do nothing but punish himself these days in Papa. So I'm sure you'll look forward to some of our thoughts on the Vontae Mack division. So thanks guys for, uh, Thanks for hopefully tuning in. We anticipate all 12 of us have listened to this and it's a large audience of 12. It's a strong 12. Keep uh, the sponsors piling in. We need a sponsor. Uh, you know, Any, my... Anyone but the DFF. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. DFF Times will not even be considered as one of our sponsors. Um, but who knows? Who knows what the name of this podcast could be for the next episode? It could be anything. I mean, Nike, Coca-Cola, all these brands... Uh, we've just got to temper expectations for those guys in particular. I mean, we can't have them all. We, we can only sort of pick one. Uh, thanks, Keeney and Hod, for your thoughts. Uh, hopefully, this comes across nicely to everyone's ears right now. I think we've done a pretty good job first time around. Bit of a bit of a pat on the back moment for us there. Um, mm. But well done, guys. And I, and I think I look forward to breaking down the next division. Hod, what are your thoughts? No, it's, it's, it's been fun. Um, you know, we're in a, a, a weird time right now where opinions seem to matter very little, but we're providing you with all of ours in this very important pod. So, no, thanks for organising, Ben. Um, looking forward to the next one. And Keeney, we'll finish with you. Uh, enjoyed it. Same from me. Enjoyed it. We'll see you next time. Call me maybe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> see you guys. See ya.